coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Welcome, once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzz on Movies. I'm Teddy. And I'm Matt. I don't know. Why is that so somber? You know, a somber opening. Sometimes in life, things don't go the way you plan. And that's okay. Oh, we're we're upset at the start. (laughs) It's okay. And, you know, like sometimes the reason we fall is to teach ourselves that we're flying a little too high. All right. I think that's (laughs) why do we fall, Master Bruce? This week, uh, I think, you know, riding off the high of last week where we came in all guns blazing, fully confident. I we really this... were comp- confident last week. We were like, <laughs> we, yeah, <laughs> we were full of hubris is what we were. That's and true. I think that this week has taught us a lesson <laughs> that we can never be too confident when the Oscars death race is involved. Um, this week has been a bit of setback. If you recall on the last episode. I said that with with the arrival of Tell It Like a Woman on VOD, that now all obstacles were out of our way. That I there can was see a all obstacles in my way. There was a clear and easy path towards us finishing. And I mentioned along the way that I was planning on seeing Living that weekend, and that as long as everything went okay with that, that everything would be fine. This is what we in the literary industry like to call foreshadowing (laughs) go on (laughs) because sure enough the night before i was supposed to go see living had the tickets bought and everything we had car trouble oh no had some had had a little little problem with the tires on the car oh no and thus was unable to make it to that screening uh it is now no longer playing at the theater, as I predicted. <laughs> oh no! So, oh, no. yeah, that was like that was one of those moments where I'm like, you know, the Oscars death race can be a fickle mistress. That they, is uh, so throw, awful. Throw things at you at any time. So for a good few days there, I was like, wow, this could be the thing that prevents me from finishing the race this year. Is literally a flat tire. <laughs> Oh my god! So, yeah, that We're playing all week up here. So just uh, <laughs> well, get on up here. It's supposed to be coming to VOD in March now. So, but is it March before the twelfth? It is. It's like March third. Oh, so, okay, great. To be clear, at least as of now, this has not completely derailed everything. But for a few days there, I was like, oh my god, we did it for for one. Finally, we actually sank ourselves. By being too confident, and uh, it was it was a bit of a lesson, a bit of a lesson to re- remember to always be humble, to never take anything for granted. Always you know? be who sings always be humble and kind. Who's that country song? What's that one? Um, but yeah, you're right. You're right. You learned something that day. We're we're not here. We're not here to brag about our movie watching prowess. We're just here to watch and talk That's movies. Cool. And Tim McGraw. That's what it's all about. So, with that in mind, we are here again to talk about the Oscars death race. We're still on track right now. 
but we're taking nothing for granted. And uh, why, with that in mind, why don't we give our update on where we're at in the race right now? How many do you have left to see, Matt? Absolutely. So I have the equivalent of 10 features. Um, we are at a nice, crisp 10 features. Uh, of course, one of those features is the live action shorts. Um, <clears throat> that's not going to be a problem. Um, multiple theaters showing them for the next two weeks up here. And uh, including the Alamos is getting them finally. So oh, nice. um, I'll be able to use my Alamo season pass to, to knock that one out, uh, which is nice because I got to pay for the quiet girl living. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I really need one where I don't have to pay full price for a ticket. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's where we're at for me. Um, the Letterboxd official list says I've got 74% of the movies watched. So feel nice. feeling okay about it. Um, I just got to knock out like, five a week for the next two weeks and my usual clip has been like three on any given weekend so you know i just have to throw some in on weekdays and i'll be fine so great yeah looking good i have uh the equivalent of 12 left to go not bad so a little bit less uh one of those is the live action shorts i have seen the other two shorts programs um so a little bit behind at this point, I'm going to have to watch like six a week, which is not ideal, but it's doable. But it's really doable. I've been dedicating my Saturdays. Like I, I'll always get at least two done on a Saturday and usually two on a Sunday too. So like you just have to like dedicate. That's my, yeah. and then I try to make myself watch one on like a Friday night instead of like doing something fun. I'll be like, I'm going to watch fucking Bardo. Um, <laughs> um not that I haven't seen Bardo. I might perfectly enjoy it, but I thought I mean? Bardo was a fun yeah. use of my I feel time. I like Inuritos. Like I, I feel like I will like, um, this Oh yeah. Movie. It's, yeah. it's <laughs> definitely one of those things where it's like, if you like Inuritu, like he, he can be divisive, but yeah. I think if, if you like him, you know what you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. So we're doing all right. I, Oh, I am at for percentage. I'm at 70% right now, which that was me until I watched EO today. I think, <laughs> <laughs> Great way to start your Sunday morning. By the way, yeah, we're recording this on a Sunday. We've we've also had a bit of trouble getting a recording together because we've had some conflicting schedules. But we're doing a doing a brunched on movies recording here. Brunched on movies. Um, <laughs> brunched on movies does not have like the best track record. I think I'm just thinking of that because of the one time we lost a recording and had to do a brunch <laughs> recording. So to me, it's always like tainted by that. But yeah, um, the brunch brunched on movies is usually a, a backup because. Yeah. We're trying to get these things out during the week and record right. them during the week. Sometimes, you know, uh, a contingency plan is needed. And that's true. Another thing that we've learned from years of doing this. But I am I am in full brunch mode. I've got like, well, I've got only half of it left now, but I had like a pastrami and egg and goat cheese sandwich. And Ooh. like, and I have like a Bloody Mary. I'm really doing brunch. On oh, you're seriously right doing the brunch. Yeah, I'm doing brunch. My my breakfast was not as impressive, but I do have a tequila sunrise nice. to fit the mood. Um, So, yeah, we're here and we're ready to talk some more movies. Uh, What have you seen this week? Yeah, you mentioned so, EO already. Yeah, so I have. Okay, let's go in order though. Let's start. Let's go backwards. Yeah. So we recorded, you know, a little while ago. Um, you've all the the last thing that I'd seen that you heard about was the whale. So we all know my feelings on the whale. <laughs> and then um, I've seen the animated shorts. Um, so all five of those. Um, I've seen all the beauty and the bloodshed. Um, I've seen Empire of Light. I've seen the documentary shorts and I've seen EO in terms of Oscar movies. Um, that's where I stand since our last recording. Um, 
you know, we can we can talk feelings on those at some point. Um, <laughs> I do have thoughts on some of them, but what about you? Um, so last time we recorded, I had watched half of the documentary shorts. Correct. Um, oh, right. You didn't see, you're not seeing the pro. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So what, after we recorded, I hung up and went and finished the documentary shorts that night. Uh, so wow, I, I've seen night. the rest of those. It was like 11 <laughs> I, PM. <laughs> it was a weird night. Let me tell you that. Um, which ones I've did seen, you still have to watch at that point? Uh, haul out stranger at the gate and how do you measure a year? Oh, Actually, all of well, let's get into them later. But that, we, that's we, not we, a we'll bad talk, haul we'll for late night. That's not the worst late night watch. Yeah. Um, and then I have seen. So I've watched Triangle of Sadness the day I was supposed to go see Living. That was like at least you still got an Oscar movie in. Yeah, I was like, I've got to at least watch something, or I'm really going to start falling behind. Uh, so I saw that. Uh, I've watched the live action shorts. Uh, I've seen RRR. Mm, impressive and uh after sun nice so yeah it was an all right week altogether. yeah uh despite setbacks just trying to stay on track so um why don't we talk about the documentary shorts first since we referenced that already the the doc shorts um okay yeah i'm down to talk about documentary shorts um okay they were interesting this year they were not I usually go into the documentary shorts, like fully prepared for like two and a half to three hours of like unmitigated trauma, just like tossed at, at me. I really (laughs) felt like most of them were not as bad as they normally are. I was like, I don't know what's going on. Maybe I'm just like more immune to this now, but like these feel mostly like, I mean, like I cried some, but like, it was like, it was like happy tears. Like how do you measure a year in the elephant whispers? I was like, this is like kind of like hopeful and nice, like (laughs) weird feeling. (laughs) Um, yeah, no, I, I feel like we we really didn't have a lot of downers this year. Yeah. Usually it's it can be like a two and a half block of just like brutal stuff hitting you. And yeah. there, there are some serious There's usually like covered one, in these. No, yes, that's true. And we can talk about whether or not some of them handled the serious issues as well as they should have, looking at you, yeah. stranger at the gate. But like, <laughs> like, you know, a lot of them really were at least trying to give like a slightly more optimistic message, with the exception of Haul Out. Um Haul out obviously had a pretty bleak message, um, but yeah. um, but um, it was still enjoyable. Um, yeah, oddly, and also that it was one like was the my only favorite. It was very good. I really liked it. I I found it a little tedious at moments, but um, it was largely quite good. Also, it was like one of two that featured great weird animal content, and I was like, yeah, I'm here for this. Um, so I I was in for that. I really liked all the walruses. Um, I just wanted to see more of them. So. They were all baby, so. All baby, yes. Um, so why don't we let's talk about a few of these individually? Haul okay. out, since we start with talking about that. Okay. Uh, haul out is so they, they. Did you watch them in order? You did not. No, you didn't. No, no, no. I just, okay. I just kind of watched them whatever I, just, I had at the time. I just realized that you couldn't have because you said how do you measure a year was one of your last three, but that right. was the first one in the program. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, okay. Um. So this one, I like, they don't really even explain the premise until the end, which I thought was an interesting way of doing it. But I mean, it's pretty clear. At least I thought it was pretty clear where it was going, but um, yeah, 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 I think so. So it's all just like cut together footage of this guy on like in a very desolate area in some sort of Arctic region. Um, it's it's giving the lighthouse for a few minutes there. I was like, yeah, "Yeah, we're all living this. (laughs) So it, it starts out just like with him, like going to this little shack out there and like setting up 
his his things that he needs to survive like getting like cooking and eating and just like you know existing in this desolate place and then one morning he wakes up and there's just walruses everywhere just so many walruses and there are literally so many walruses it honestly played like a horror movie for a moment there it's like it's like pitch black and you just hear noises and he's like clearly fumbling around and i'm like what the fuck is going on and then he opens the door and it's just like piles of walruses and i was like jesus christ (laughs) that was a great moment i love that they presented it that way because it's just so dramatic because until Uh, that moment i genuinely had no idea what was going to happen maybe if you know that like the walrus migration thing is called a haul out you know that but i didn't fucking know that so like, <laughs> right, why, right. why would I have known that about walruses? All like, I know I about walruses it could have just is been it... about this guy out there in the wilderness. But exactly, <laughs> exactly. I thought he did some weird thing, and it was going to be about him, like like the loneliness of whatever his job was. Um, but it was not about that. Um, so yeah, yeah. There's just walruses everywhere, and he's like he's observing them, like counting them. He he's there to to like help chart this walrus migration that happens every year. Um, and it's just a lot of, a lot of footage of, of walruses and it, and it can be upsetting too. the walruses are like fighting. Yeah. I mean, there's it's yeah. stampedes, which I didn't know was a, was a thing walruses had, but there's, there's a walrus stampede. Yes. Um, there is absolutely some upsetting walrus content in this. Yeah. It's not all upbeat at all, and but some they, of them are very cute. Oh there's yeah. Both. The walruses are cute. Definitely. Yeah. And then when they leave at the end, there's just a bunch of dead walruses left behind. That's all sad. (laughs) Although it was very funny. And it's not funny because this walrus was dying. But he goes to the beach side and he's like, found a a female dead for a few days. Another, a young one, a calf, dead pretty recently. And then the the baby one just looks up at him. And and he's like, (laughs) not dead. (laughs) Yeah, okay. That was that was like a kind of funny but also not funny moment. It's sad because like, then he's like, it's very weak. Like it's obviously going to die. Um, but I'm like, okay. But the the little baby goes back into the sea. It probably doesn't survive the sea voyage on its own. But yeah, I can pretend all by itself. Um, yeah, yeah. Can have um, some hope. Uh, yeah. But yeah, at the end, it sort of explains it briefly with the titles that like he he's helped charting this migration, and they give some of the statistics of like how the like because of less sea ice this is becoming more and more of a problem with the walrus migration they have to like they can't take breaks on their ocean migration on the sea ice instead they have to get to all get to this island at the same time and it's like a disaster because there's so many of them there's so little space and they're all fighting for space and yeah a bunch of them end up dead and it's just kind of like a sign of how things are changing with global warming so yeah. uh, this is ultimately a, a climate change movie. That's, um, yeah. Um, you don't leave feeling optimistic on this one. Um, no. Just so you know, the pa- the way the package is set up, the, the shorts program, you go from this, this is number four, and the final one is the Martha Mitchell effect. It's like total tonal whiplash. It's <laughs> the like the Martha most like... Martha Mitchell effect is such a weird one to end on. <laughs> yeah. It's like, the this is like, Haul Out is such like a minimalist, bleak, just everything. And then you go to Martha Mitchell effect, which is like maximalist Netflix fucking documentary i was like what the fuck are we doing (laughs) um it was very weird um yeah uh but yeah i I like this one just because i i liked how the documentary like didn't get in the way of the footage basically right they just sort of let you live in this space for a while and see what was going on um i also just thought the footage was really fascinating like you rarely get to see stuff like this 
that like took you to this remote place where very few people have probably been and seeing something that only a handful of people have ever seen. Right. I thought that was interesting. It was. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, It was probably my favorite too. I would say that Um, it was just, I thought it was very competently put together and it wasn't too, I had issues with the rest of them, like trying too hard to push their like message, like almost without fail. They were all like being a little pushy with it. I was like, all right, we get it. Like, I know (laughs) like stranger at the gate, like, come on, like you're beating us over the head with this one. Oh yeah. And Martha Mitchell effect did that a lot too, but I thought that was more entertaining throughout. So that was like, you know, (laughs) yeah. And even elephant whispers, which I thought was good, but was like, really really pushy on it on its thing too but um but still this one was like nice simple straightforward it's like the kind of documentary short i tend to like the most um well let's talk about martha mitchell effect because we touched on that um so this one is about martha mitchell who was the wife of richard nixon's attorney general john mitchell john mitchell yes Um, um during the watergate scandal and john mitchell was yeah, heavily involved in Watergate. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the story of how like she knew some information about Watergate because of her husband and was like talking to the press, talking to just other people she knew in Washington all the time and how like the Nixon administration tried to silence her and how a, a lot of people didn't believe her because she was just like, oh, this crazy drunk woman uh, but actually, she was one of the first people to speak out about Watergate. And a lot of the stuff that she ended up saying that people thought was crazy ended up being proven true down the line. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I, you know, it's one of those stories that I sort of, um, I mean, if you if you're up to, to brush on history, you might know the story already. Like it might it doesn't present anything new if you already know, like uh, yeah. <laughs> the story of Watergate and the ins and outs of it. But it is it is. um it's interesting and it's interesting that it's like i don't know it just like how far politics have come since then but it's like a republican whistleblower almost like that's a thing that you can't imagine anymore um so that's bizarre but what is believable is it like she tries to speak out and then gets like completely like shut down and they paint her as like this crazy woman like which is like just like i don't think anything would be any different today if (laughs) If no, this happened no. and that's it, fucked up part <laughs> like, of what makes this good is that it's very relatable to current politics exactly yeah um which is just so upsetting and like you know i mean as somebody who's very much not a republican obviously i have a lot of issues with martha, martha mitchell but it's fucked up how she was treated um and she should have i mean she was doing the right thing um in a time yeah. when you know before republicans never did the right thing she you know she was one who was really doing the right thing um this was like the beginning of the end for the republicans really um <laughs> watergate yeah it's like yeah. how we got to the politics anyway. we're at today really um um in fact like her her style of politics is like proto-trump in a lot of ways like just like brash and outspoken all the time <laughs> um which is very funny to think about um but yeah it, it is interesting and it is a lot of fun it is you know it's pretty basic as far as these sort of documentaries go, but yeah, it's, it's enjoyable. Very, it's um, more informative than it is like artistic or absolutely. Yeah. Entertaining. Yeah. But like it, it, I feel like it's a good overview of a topic that not everyone would have necessarily no. heard about. I really only became familiar with Martha Mitchell because I watched the, uh, the very good series gaslit. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Where she's portrayed by Julia Roberts. And, um, 
that that was a great series. I definitely recommend people checking that out if they're interested in Martha Mitchell. I, um, I like that they called that series Gaslit because um, when this movie was going on and like the ti- the end title card is like some psychologist coined the, coined the term Martha Mitchell effect because it's like because of what it means or whatever. And I was like, it's basically just gaslighting. Like yeah. it's like it's like the exact yeah. same thing. <laughs> this was like like large scale political gaslighting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that was a very good series. Yeah, and good, I feel yeah. like I feel like I got more out of that than I did out of this. Well, it was uh, much longer, much longer. Yeah, and more <laughs> chance to explore the topic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like this, this was this was pretty good. It's enjoyable. It's a nice like primer, you know, onto mm-hmm. onto what was happening. Because I do feel like a lot of people know like the basics of the Watergate scandal, but they don't really know like the full scope of what was going on. That like like Martha Mitchell was speaking out about what was happening. And just nobody right. was listening, really. Um, and they tried to shut her up and, like, how different it could have been if they had listened, like, before Nixon had won re-election. Like, you know? Um, but, yeah. So, um, okay. That's nice. Um, so, um, it's good, though. It's it's entertaining. Um, this is a Netflix one, right? Like, it's a, it's yeah. freely available. Like, everyone has that. So, you know, you should totally watch it. Yeah, It's a it's good part- short, like... <laughs> That's part of the reason this was one of the first ones I watched, because I was like, all right, uh, Elephant... The elephant one was on Disney Plus, and the uh, Martha Mitchell effect was on Netflix. So those were the weren't there two the from easiest Netflix? ones to find. Maybe they were both on Netflix. Wait, I thought Elephant Whisperers. Yeah, okay, was Netflix. Elephant Whisperers okay. was on Netflix. I'm yeah. I'm confusing myself with the live action shorts. I'm just remember. I just remember every time I saw the the Netflix. Um, because there were two Netflix ones and then two New Yorker magazine ones or whatever, and I was like, what's going yeah. on here? Um, <laughs> so yeah, New Yorker is getting more involved in the shorts this year. It was surprising because I feel like every year I expect there's going to be one New York Times one. And those are always like, they're either really good, but like basic or just like really annoying to me. Um, <laughs> um, so, but you know, there wasn't one this year. There was no New York Times. Sorry to the New York Times. Yeah. Um, Ooh, there was like, one that is in the truest style of the New York Times uh, in the style of we're interviewing people in an Ohio diner. But um, <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't, there wasn't actually a New York Times one. Right. Right. <laughs> Okay, uh, let's talk Elephant Whispers. Okay. This one is just about uh, this a, a few people living in India, and they're looking after these orphaned elephants. And Yes. I mean, them. that is uh, oh, underselling it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they... The, look, the movie is, like, fine. It's pretty straightforward. But it has, like, the cutest animals, like, basically of all time. Oh, yeah. Um, the elephants um, are adorable. The yes. people like really care for these elephants. You yes. can see like like they are like heartbroken whenever there's something that like might prevent them from taking care of these elephants. Um and they're just constantly like their whole lives are built around just taking care of elephants. They it's also really sweet. Cool. Like Beaumont and Belly, they're the main characters of this movie. Um and it's a man and woman, and they like come together through these elephants and they fall in love and they get married. And that's really sweet. That's super cool. Um yeah. And, you know, and, over the elephants. Yeah. And I, I really liked when he, you know, uh, Beaumont was talking and he was like, elephants and God are are one to me. And I was like, oh, my God, same. Um, like, <laughs> it's just so like he cares so much about these elephants. Um, it's yeah, so they, genuine and sweet. They view it as like a sacred duty to. And of course, to I mean, they do. It's, like... it's it, This is South India um, and they're an indigenous culture. And, and you know, they they, of course, the, that's very real for them, um, how they how they view elephants. Um it like makes perfect sense when you see the way they interact with them. It's just so sweet. And um, the elephants are characters in their own right. Um, 
which was different than Hall Out, where that was not the case. The animals were not their own characters. Oh, yeah. Definitely and not. in this one, like, the elephants, uh, what, one was Ragu and one was Baby Amu. Um, they, were, they were so sweet. And they were, like, their own little characters. They had personalities. They did their own things. It was so, so cute. Um, really, I mean, again, the, the, like Martha Mitchell effect, there's, like, it's kind of, like, straightforward as far as documentaries go. But there is beautiful imagery. And the elephants are, like, so cute. They, one of them could, like, just, like, turn its head and i wanted to cry i was like this is so fucking cute like um yeah i think i think the real standout here is cinematography like there's just so many beautiful shots of the animals in their natural environment um there's like there's really beautiful sunsets and like mm -hmm. nighttime photography and stuff that uh looks like very beautifully done very like with an eye towards not just capturing what's going on but like creating a work of art on the screen Right, which is nice, um, and it fit, it fits the mood of this documentary as well. You know, just showing you the beauty of nature, um, that it's something worth protecting and nurturing. Right. Yeah, I thought I thought it all worked really well. Um, it was effective. And, you know, just a nice, nice little glimpse into you know a world that is very far removed from our own. And you know, you know, I thought it was very, it was very respectful and, and earnest in how it, it portrayed them. Um, so that was nice. Um, so yeah, that was good. I really liked it. I liked this one. Okay, let's talk Stranger at the Gate. Oh, God. This is certainly going to be the most controversial one this year. Um, it's controversial within my own head. I like went from yeah. like, is this a two-star movie to is this a three-star movie? Maybe it's two and a half. Maybe it's one and a half. I like, I couldn't figure out how I felt about this movie. Um, it's, it's very difficult. Um, yeah. And I think that at least partly that's what they're going for i'm not sure if they like pulled it off as well as they would have hoped um like it i think it's it's a movie that is supposed to ask important complex hard to answer questions but it doesn't really explore them as thoroughly as you'd like no not um, at all um i so, think yeah oh, go ahead no, well, the I was just gonna give the uh, well, I was gonna start talking about what I think about the movie, but the basic premise, because everyone should know the basic premise before we do that, is that it's about a guy who was it's in Muncie, Indiana, um, and it's about this guy who was in the military, um, which is already its own thing. I mean, there's just yeah. my well, okay, but he was I, a marine well, in the Afghanistan war. Yes, I won't. I don't want to expound expound on what I think they did wrong just yet, like so he's a marine in the Afghanistan war, and like that's already its own its own thing. And he comes back and he, he you know, he has a, a, a woman there that he, he marries or whatever. I think they got married. Were they actually married or were they just he, together? I think I was, they were um, married at one okay. time. Um, and, and she has a daughter. And But over time, he, like, in this town in Muncie, Indiana, there's also a big Islamic center. Um, and it's a big part of the town, I guess. Um, and so he does not like this center. He is extremely Islamophobic. And to the point of he's planning to, like, he wants to kill them all. He wants to, like, bomb them. Yeah. Um, and he's he's talking about this in the movie. Like, we see him talking about it. But the premise of the movie is that when he goes to, like, scope it out one day, he goes in and they treat him very kindly. And over t and he's like, what? This doesn't make sense. And within a few, like, a number of weeks, it's like eight weeks or something like that, he actually converts to Islam. Um, and so it yeah. completely changes his worldview. And he actually becomes the president of this Islamic center. Like, it's, I mean, it is, like, an incredible turnaround for him. And I don't want to, like disparage that 
I just think the movie could have explored like the reason he was so hateful in the first place way better. Like, right. Right. It like lets the military off with, I like, come on. Right. Like that doesn't happen on accident. Right. He comes back from war, extremely Islamophobic and ready to commit violence. Like that. He didn't just come out with that on his own. That's no coincidence. Exactly. I think it was like, it's like, it's just like, oh, was he just like this already? And it's like, of course he wasn't just like this already. The whole point is that he was in the military fighting over there and killing people. He was killing people who practiced Islam. Like, and that's why he's like this. And you, you should explore that. But of course, the New Yorker magazine probably didn't want to explore that in this movie. <laughs> um, didn't it say some of the footage was provided by like um, some part of the American government or military or something oh like at the end where it, it says that. And I was like, of course. Like, of course, that's why you're not getting you a little can't harsh. criticize the military too heavily if you're But then you shouldn't that. have done this movie. Like, that's like, it just doesn't explore it in full. It's nice that it's like, because I do believe strongly that people can change. And I love that he changed. Yeah. And I'm very happy for him. And I think we should always show that that's possible. But I think if we're going to do this, we should talk about why he was like that in the first place. It wasn't on accident. <laughs> like, right. I also like at the end, they said that now he like goes around the country talking about like how to de-radicalize people from this sort of stuff and like how, how to get rid of hatred before something like this happens. And I think they should have gone more into that. Yeah. Like, that he's actually like engaging with the problem head on rather than just letting this Muslim community take care of it for him like exactly because they were nice to him then like that's the answer to solving the problem like no like he he's being active about exactly taking on hatred where it lives the way the movie presents itself and i've seen some criticism of this is that it like it acts like the onus is on like these people who practice islam to be nice to people and to be like good representation so that people won't want to kill them i guess like which is ridiculous like Come on. Um, I don't really think the movie is trying to say that. I want to be clear. I think the movie very much does not mean to suggest that. But it's a reasonable takeaway because he's like, everybody's nice to me, so I converted. And the movie doesn't explore more about what he thinks can be done to de-radicalize people, which I think would have changed the the whole thing. Um, So, I don't know. The movie was a... It has a good idea, but I honestly think it should have been probably a full-length documentary, not a short. And it should have explored some other things way better. Yeah, that was something I was thinking. I like that this is this is a very interesting topic and very important right now. Absolutely. But it's like I mean, it's, it's been important since fucking minutes. 2001. And like we we still <laughs> right. haven't gotten like a great whatever. Like we need stories like this and we need real full-length stories about it. We don't need like a 30-minute short that's just like trying to say people can change and like be this optimistic. Like it's it's a little more serious than that. We could do a yeah. full-length documentary. Um, yeah, that's what I thought too. And I think this guy would want that. He seems like he's become a genuinely great guy. Like you know, um, yeah. you know, and that's that's pretty cool. I mean, I I think a lot of us think that people don't change at this point. I think we're all sort of like, and it's hard not to. I mean, you see the way politics are now. Like any new issue that crops up, you immediately start seeing battle lines drawn, and nobody will budge. And it, you know, everyone thinks nobody can change, but people can change. And it's great that there's a great example of it. And I'd love to see more stories about that, but I, they need to be fleshed out properly. They can't just be like, oh, everything's sunshine and Disney movies. Like, come on, <laughs> come on. Like, this was a, he was a very seriously fucked up person for a while there. <laughs> and we need to explore why and what he did to change, not just 
because some people were nice to him, which is great. I'm glad they were nice to him because it's very funny when they're like, well, I first saw him and I thought the first thing I thought was he looks like a redneck. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> he sure yeah. does. <laughs> um, he looks like he listens to Nickelback and is very frightening. Um, and, <laughs> um, but like Nickelback catching strays here, man. Hey, come on. I, you know, I like Nickelback. Let's, let's not, let's not joke around about that. <laughs> I will unironically listen to how you remind me any day of the week. But um, um, yeah, so, you know, he, it, it's just a weird, I just feel like they could have done so much more. Um, there was just such a bigger story to tell here than the the time allotted. It's weird that they thought this was a short. They should have financed a full length documentary about this. There's easily a full story there. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like even just the the background subject matter alone could be its own movie. But then yeah. when you add in this guy's personal story and like how intense that was at times, like there's tons of material there. It could have made by like my. I personally prefer documentaries that are about like a personal story, like one person or like a family or something like that to just like about a big thing. It would have been like the best way to get at that for someone like me. Um, and so I have to think there are lots of other people who feel similarly. Um, yeah. Like what ropes you into a lot of documentaries is the personal layer. Um, so I don't know. It's just a weird choice. I hope someday his story gets the treatment it deserves in documentary form um, because yeah. it, it is, it is deserved and, also, the other, you know, the other folks at the Islamic Center who, I mean, I want to hear more about what they thought when they found out about this. You know, we hear glimpses of it, but like that's, it's, an, I mean, it is pretty nuts that they found out about that and still accepted him and wanted him there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I yeah, mean, I mean, like that, that is the craziest part is that like, you know, eventually they did find out about this. Right. And that they still were like, oh, wow, it's a good thing you didn't do that. <laughs> like, right. And it speaks so much to who they are and their character. And that's wonderful. But I would have loved to hear more about that even. Like, I mean, not to, again, put the onus on, you know, these people who were about to be victims of like something monstrous, you know, but it would have been great to hear more about how they were able to still face him with kindness and, and no judgment. Like that's, I don't think I could do that. Like, yeah. so. Yeah, so. Definitely a controversial one. I like. I'm still glad I saw it. I think that there's a lot there. It just, you know, didn't quite hit the mark as much as you would have wanted. No. Um. So our final one is how do you measure a year? Which is the first one in the actual program. Um. <laughs> um. Listen, this movie was like genetically engineered towards me. Um. <laughs> it had a title pulled from Rent. Um, there oh, are right. multiple okay. show tunes sang in the movie, and the main character sings "A Thousand Years" by Christina Perry, <laughs> made famous from the Twilight franchise. That I about was... lifted myself out of my seat and screamed when she started singing that. I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" That was the funniest part. When I was watching that, like you know, I knew that I was the first one watching the doc shorts. So I was like, I, I texted you and I was like, um, there's a moment in the documentary shorts where you will probably just scream. <laughs> like, I literally almost did. If I hadn't been, I was in a sold out theater and I was so, I was like, oh my fucking God. Um, I was like losing my mind. Um, that was so funny. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, we, that was... we got 1,000 years to the Oscars, folks. Yeah. It's, finally. It's finally. <laughs> Where it deserved to be in the first place. <laughs> Twilight should have been a Best Original Song nominee. Come on. So um, so the, the topic of this film is that uh, Jay Rosenblatt, the director, uh, filmed his daughter every year from... Is this like the age... one that's neither Netflix nor New Yorker? No, it's like, yeah, it's this basically... It's the one that's not, you know... Not available anywhere unless yeah. you know where to look. Um, but, wink, wink with nudge, nudge. <laughs> but um, he filmed her from like the age of four or something every year. Maybe even two. It was very young. But like every year two. on it was her two. Birthday, it was two. It was two okay. to 18. I just saw it yesterday, so I can... Right. From the age of two to 18 on her birthday every year and asked her like the same questions and tried to like chart her growth and development over that period of time. Um, And I thought it was interesting. Like, you know, it's, it's fascinating to see the passage of time like that, to see somebody grow up in front of your eyes. Yeah. Uh, I felt like that the questions he was asking weren't like that insightful. They didn't really produce a lot of interesting stuff. I thought, I mean, he kind of says the same thing too. Yeah. Like he, he comes to that conclusion because he created the the questions when she was two. Yeah. Like, I mean, of course they're not that deep. And he says that he's like, well, I feel like maybe we could talk about deeper stuff. Um, but I don't know. I think it actually, um, by the end it, it is revealing like, like a full, like young woman and like, especially like their relationship together. Um, it is pretty revealing about it. And just like the ebbs and flows of like parent child relationships. Yeah. Um, I think it was like the funniest part was when like, as soon as she became a teenager, she was like clearly not interested in doing this anymore. Yes. Like the (laughs) preteen era when she was in middle school was just like, are you fucking kidding? Like, can you just hit record already? Like, can we do this? And then like, as she got like 17, 18, she was like more invested in it. It It's like take like, and more seeing her dad as like an equal, which was kind of interesting. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it's it is interesting to see like how how someone can change over the course of like sixteen years. Because when you're a kid, you don't necessarily you're not necessarily aware of the changes that you're going through right. in your mindset and your way of approaching things. But when you can see it all laid out like this, um, it is pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. I overall liked it. I thought it was sweet. I thought it was genuine. Um, I'd rather watch this than Boyhood, so I thought that was pretty nice. <laughs> oh, um, oh, hard disagree, but yeah, I okay. didn't like Boyhood though. I was, um, but um, yeah, I thought it was a, I thought it was nice. It was you know perfectly pleasant. It was the first one in the program. It was a nice intro. Um, nothing too too heavy to think about. Just a nice, sweet little glimpse of of their lives. Um, you know, no, yeah. it was also very funny. I mean, when she was young, she was super cute. Um, and she had, her answers were very funny as a child. Um, she yeah. really liked lollipops for like six years strong there. And I was like, yeah, I get <laughs> she it. Was just like the, what's your favorite food? Lollipops. Yeah. <laughs> like that came up multiple years. Like, wow, this kid loves lollipops. She really loved lollipops. And I was like, wow, I don't think I ever felt that way about lollipops as a kid. That's so funny to me. Um, it was interesting. It was interesting to see like how her personality developed, like how it was like one year she was like suddenly obsessed with hannah montana oh my god the hannah montana year was so funny and then what are your favorite things in life um family friends animals and hannah montana (laughs) (laughs) 
And then it's like after that, she started being interested in singing. And like every year she was like singing something and she was getting like better at it. And like you, you could tell that she'd been practicing and actually like training herself. Yeah, she's clear. Well, this girl was clearly a theater kid. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it was like the most clearest day thing I've ever seen in my life. I was like, yeah, this girl does theater in her mm. school um yeah i mean she sings she sings the song from rent and defying gravity singing. she sings defying <laughs> gravity at one point um of course then she sings a thousand years by christina perry um yeah. which was so good um yeah um and there's like the year where she's just like so fucking unhappy which was like pretty upsetting um that year yeah, where she's like, like where it's like are you happy and she's like no um, I think that was middle school, actually, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Maybe. Um, because I remember thinking while watching it, I, like, I was like, oh, we're in middle school. And then when You've she was like, I started recently. high school, I was like, I was like, it's like a total shift. And it's funny to think like, we all think of middle school as the fucking worst, but it is crazy to see it happen as real time, in real time. Like, yeah. it's like, wow, middle school really is just that terrible for everyone. Yeah, it's um, just that transition, you know, it's a, no, there's no it's the worst parts of being a kid and being an adult or yeah. teenager, whatever. It's just an um, awful time. Um, and she clearly goes through it there for a while. Um, she's like, all I want to do is sleep. I'm like, Oh God, I hope you're okay. <laughs> um, so this is, um, this is directed by the, the same director as, uh, when we were bullies from yes. 2021. Um, which was a, a weird, a controversial one at the time. Yeah, controversial oh. one. I, I think this one is a bit controversial as well. I saw is people it? say saying, "What does Jay Rosenblatt have on the Academy?" <laughs> he keeps getting nominated. Maybe they just like it. It's like a it, this one's just sweet. Yeah. I, I liked thought, this one more than I liked when we were bullies. Yeah, um, I definitely thought this one was better than the previous one. He's he's clearly mining a lot of personal experience for these films. Um, he's clearly very interested in like youth development and things like that like that's a like growing up is like a theme that he's clearly very interested in um which is interesting um so i don't know when we were bullies was a weird one that was a weird one it it's uh it, it had a, some weird uh messaging but um you know it's okay yeah that that was very strange uh We've talked about it on the pod somewhere. I don't know which episode it is. One of our yeah, old Oscars <laughs> episodes. We definitely talked about when we were bullies. Um, it's, a, it's a Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Brooklyn stories out here. Um, <laughs> All right. So yeah, that that is the documentary shorts this year. I'll, overall, I thought this was a good program. Like yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty like good. we've said, not as heavy as in previous years. A pretty wide variety of topics and like just formats styles um it's an interesting one agreed agreed i kind of liked it it wasn't bad now i'm ready look at well you've already seen the live action shorts i was like i was gonna say i feel like i'm gonna see the live action shorts and those are gonna be the ones that are gonna make me want to like crawl into a hole but um yeah the live action ones I, i again like live action shorts every year is like oh god these are all so brutal i i feel like this year was better than most um, there's definitely a couple <laughs> that'll get you feeling that way. Sure. There's some good ones this year. I think you'll like some of them. I mean, I always like them. It's just that it's heavy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, why don't we talk about triangle of sadness? That's sure. That's the first one I saw for this period. Yeah. Um, I like this one overall. 
Uh, it, it had like a really kind of disjointed feel to it. Yeah, that's um, how I felt about it. <laughs> but it, it's fun in that kind of like just like I don't know, slice of life kind of way. <laughs> I, it uh, well, it's hard to call this slice of life. No, um, no. I. I don't know. I felt weird. I I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I just felt like it was a movie. It was a movie that I saw and I was like, okay, that was fine. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like it was, it's like way longer than it needed to be for sure. Um, it didn't need to be two and almost a half hours. Um, because there were parts that were just like, I don't know that the entire opening I needed to see like, <laughs> like with them on like their date and stuff. I was like, I don't know that I cared about this and that it added that much to my understanding of this movie. Um, it was strange. It was like the film was not as dedicated to the idea of like telling a story or getting you introduced to these characters as it was just sort of like exposing you to themes throughout the different segments because it's broken down into like four or five different segments. And some of them, especially early on, like barely anything actually happens. <laughs> it's more just about like there, there's a, an entire one where it's just like the main guy and the main girl, like just squabbling about money and like about who's going to pay for dinner, which is clearly <laughs> like a like, weird, like, like money thing. And like the movie is very interested in money, but I don't know that it actually had anything interesting to say about that scene. I was like, what's the point here? Like, what, are, what are we getting at? Yeah. Um, it was so very like, strange. The entire thing is about this, cruise for like very wealthy individuals um that goes asunder and the boat sinks and then the survivors have to try to survive on this remote island um and it's very much focused on like class structure and money and capitalism versus socialism and um I don't know really what like kind of coherent message it has other than like rich people are stupid and like, <laughs> but I do think it also has something to say like, so rich people are stupid is definitely a, a heavy a theme here. It. It's it. I mean, the woman who's like, Oh, the sales were dirty. And like, well, we don't have sales. And she's like, no, <laughs> yeah, the sales were dirty. And it's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's like literally if you're rich enough, you can insist that the sales are duty dirty and the people who are in charge of that, even if they know there are no sales will have to say, Oh yes, we'll clean them. Right. <laughs> um, so like, it is pretty, it is pretty funny in that regard. And you have like fucking Woody Harrelson as like a, a like a, what, 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 what's his exact political affiliation as a captain though? But it's like very funny that he's a like captain of this like rich people yacht club. He's cruise like, ship because he's like he's a, a socialist yeah okay that oh, okay i thought maybe it, even a communist yes um, it was something because he he like he like specifies in the movie um but i can't remember because I, I watched this like a, a few weeks ago um he's like having arguments with like the rich russian guy yes and like he's like citing marks and stuff right um and so like there are some like really good stuff going on here but then like by the end it becomes like like a commentary where it's like, even like if you don't have a lot of money, like power is alluring, I guess. And like, once I get to the beach, the power structure changes. It, you know, it's a, there's a woman who was like in the cleaning crew on the, well, maybe the cleaning manager um, before they, before, they called her like the toilet manager or something. It was like yes. really kind of demeaning. An, I was going to say, it's an upsetting title. Um, 
and but so she was like you know obviously she was you know quote unquote below deck on the <laughs> in the before times yeah. um and so um and now they're here but she's obviously the best equipped to deal with like living on a stranded island like she she can start a fire she can cook she can catch f- fish like all of this stuff she yeah. can do the rest can't and so she um, has power and control here and suddenly it becomes like about something totally different than it had been for the previous like half of the movie or whatever um because like for a bunch of it it's just about how like money like people with money are fucking stupid and then it gets here and she like has power and suddenly she's like corrupt and like she's like forcing a guy to have sex with her and like like <laughs> immediately like, becomes like like a a war king or something like yes. sort of like yeah and so <laughs> it's, it's like, wild it's, how quickly the power goes to her head yeah and so for that reason i felt like the movie didn't really quite know what it was trying to say because like i mean maybe you could view the whole thing as like a commentary on like power, but it doesn't really make it clear that they're equating money and power in that way in the first half of the movie. Like it, that's not totally clear. And then suddenly it's about power specifically without, you know, I don't know. It's just a weird, the, it's not totally connected. There's like the connective tissue is, is, is ruptured. There, there's like something missing <laughs> like thematically here, but it is really funny the whole way through. So I, I think, that is one of the saving graces is that even while the messaging can be a little muddled, that it is funny all the way through. Like it still works as good comedy slash satire. Yes. Yeah. I think it does. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's no, the menu if you ask me, but uh, <laughs> it is, it is a pretty effective satire for most of its runtime. We've definitely um, gotten a lot of like class satire pieces over the last few years. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right yeah. It's, it's very in uh, trendy at the moment. Right. Um, that's good though. I mean, I, I think it's good to be talking about class. I thought that, I mean, yeah, this was just funny. It, I wish it had been shorter. So it could have been a little more palatable, but it was funny. Yeah. Um, I don't really have too much more to say about it. It's no, it's kind of worth worth a watch. the The scenes with the you, ship ship sinking are really well done and they very are. funny, but also at the same time, like technically interesting. Like you just got yes. like stuff swirling around on the ship and like people vomiting all over the place. And uh, also, it does have the lead from Beach Rats. This is that one, right? Um, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which I, I think he's pretty good. Um, and Woody Harrelson is in this movie, which is like kind of random um because uh, <laughs> it's like a very you know european film um um uh if you like robert osland in general i mean you should probably watch it like if you liked the square or force majeure you should probably watch this movie um, yeah i did know. like the square um, i didn't love the square but i did like force majeure i didn't love force majeure but i did like it um so you know he's an interesting director if nothing else yeah, he, he's very distinctive. He's really got like this very kind of over the top and yet simultaneously restrained style. I don't know exactly how to describe it. That's like, a good I, way to put it. This because this one what is simultaneously over the top while restrained. I mean, the captain's dinner is over the top, but so much of like the general just like how things are filmed and like the conversation the dialogue and stuff, it is kind of like restrained and straightforward you know and it, it, it is an interesting balance that he does all, there. all like the, the characters feel like very like directly stating the themes to the audience while at the same time like there's just kind of a restrained quality in all of it where in like a lot of time there's a lot of space 
in the scenes. We're just like kind of watching things happen without a lot of dialogue. Uh, shots are held for longer than they necessarily would have to be. Right. So yeah, it does. It does have kind of a just like observational style. Like we've just sort of stepped into this world with these strange characters and we're just kind of living there for a little bit. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I think, I think that's right. Um, so it's interesting. It's interesting. He has a, an interesting approach. Um, he's clearly very class conscious. That's like a thing. Um, oh, definitely. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, it's, it's enjoyable at least. That's what matters. Um, it is, it is enjoyable. All right. Um, what else? Let's let's talk after sun. Oh God. Um, okay. This this movie is. I think you had the best word for it yesterday. Devastating. It's extremely devastating. <laughs> that is. Um, so I absolutely love this movie. Yeah. Um, the like the more that I think about it, it really just like speaks to me it's growing on me like it's so great and um this is the story of like uh a woman who's trying to like remember her like the memories of her last trip with her dad um when he was the same age as she is now so they're right. both like he's just turned 31 in her memories and she is just turning 31 in like the present day. Um, and she's reliving this through watching the old mini DV footage of their trip. And, uh, so we get the, the history of that both through the mini DV footage and through like actual, we flash back to that time for most of the runtime of the film. Right. Um, which, so first of all, I love the mini DV stuff in here. Yeah, me too. <laughs> as someone is someone who, you know, grew up shooting things on mini DV, um, having like all of our vacation footage shot that way. Uh, this is, this feels very nostalgic to me. Um, it, it is kind of tied into the way that memories were represented for us. You grew up in that time. So I thought that right. was very interesting. Um, and it kind of flashes around between the past and the present time, but it's mainly about um, just how she's trying to, to capture this memory of what her dad was like through these half remembered memories and through the footage and how she can really never fully understand who he was as a person um, because of like that natural separation in time. Right. I mean, he, yeah. Oh God. It is just, I mean, so much of the movie, it just feels like, like sort of, I mean, almost slice of life in a lot of ways. Like you're just like watching like very simple things happen. Um, you know, there's not like big swelling conflict and drama necessarily. Um, it's just, they're on this trip. They have good times. They have some, you know, less fun times. Um, yeah. Just a normal, a normal like father daughter trip, um, and it's it's um, so it's just like this like sunny beach trip that they're on. But by the end, it is like <laughs> it is extremely moving and upsetting. Um, but Paul Mescal gives like an incredible performance. It's like honestly insane that he got nominated. I like really wouldn't have thought that like the Academy would have like even like paid attention. But mm-hmm. like 
I'm so glad he did because it's super deserved. It is like an insanely good performance. Um, it's be- it's like it's a very beautiful, restrained yet powerful performance. You yeah. can tell that he is someone who has like had conflict in his past. He's a very like he's he he's conflicted. He's upset. He's struggling with these things within himself while also trying to be the fun dad, like just uh, put on a normal face. Um, And he does it in such a, like a restrained way that uh, makes it feel extremely real and really, yeah, it's, it's really powerful. And like, you know, he's clearly, you know, he's clearly a father struggling with like some mental health issues. Like he's obviously unwell. Um, And like, there's that scene where his back is to the camera and he's just sobbing. And it's like, so upsetting i'm like about to cry thinking about it um it's just so moving he's so good in this movie um i'm so glad this movie got attention from the academy so that more people had to watch it um including myself i don't know if i would have seen it if it hadn't been nominated right or when i would have seen it i should say i'm sure i would have eventually but um, right i mean like for me this was a movie that i definitely heard a bunch about over the last year but you hear about so many movies and like you're always trying to like oh i'll add this to my list and i'll watch it but like, I don't know when I would have seen this if not for the Oscars. But I'm so glad I did. Yeah, it's incredible. It's really, really good. Um, just a beautiful, moving film. Um, full of a lot of love. I think you can feel the filmmakers because um, you know it, it. It it is sort of about her own life. Um, I think she said it's you know it, there's some mm-hmm. some basis in her own her own history there, and you can feel that coming through. Um, and that makes it just way more moving. Um, yeah, it's very personal. Um, yeah. There's, uh, I like the, uh, the structure of, there's these, uh, images cut in among all the other stuff that's going on that's like taking place in like a crowded dance club where like strobe lights are going off and stuff. You can barely tell what's going on, but you get like glimpses of the adult version of the girl and also her father at, you know, his, uh, young age. Um, and like, she's trying to, to get to him, to talk to him, but like, it's, it's crowded and it's confusing and it's too loud and there's nothing going on. Uh, and I thought that was such like an incredible image, like representing trying to understand someone from your memory that you can't really communicate with anymore. Um, and then the, the shot at the end, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of him like i don't even i don't, I want to directly describe the end just yeah. because it's such a great it is very ending good. shot but the ending shot it's just so <laughs> so <laughs> mind-blowingly devastating and sad um that and like that right there like like that ending bit like gave like took this up another star for me yeah. i was just like yeah. wow like the ending to this is incredible yeah so good <laughs> it's a very emotionally powerful film it is you know for for anyone who's maybe like who either has a parent who's not there anymore who was who has had like a contentious relationship maybe with one of their parents i think this is especially powerful um oh yeah just, i imagine if, i mean I, i've lost a parent and yeah i think it's it if you've lost a parent, obviously it's, <laughs> it's extremely powerful. I mean, it doesn't, it, there are other, yeah, other ways it can be powerful too. But yeah, I think that does, I mean, I think it does add a lot. Um, 
you know, and I think so many people can experience that or feel relate to it in some capacity, right? You don't have to have like literally lost a parent um, no. to be able to, to relate to, to the feelings that are obviously on display here. Um, or even if you've just like felt like so de- detached from someone or if you've, I mean, if you felt like Paul Mescal's character, you know, <laughs> um, you know, I don't know, like this, like, brought into such focus like so many of my fears about being a parent like yeah um, and like and so um you know it's it's just it's just so moving in so many ways um i genuinely think it's like my favorite movie that i've seen for the oscars watch this year um i i really liked it i am a very big fan um with some possible exceptions of like everything everywhere all at once which i'd seen before but i really liked and um all the beauty and the bloodshed, which is also very good. Those are yeah. like my three favorites, but this, this one is, is like shot to the top for me very immediately. This is definitely up there for me. I yeah. definitely think I'll end up watching this again at some point. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah just... I'd like to own this eventually. I would like, I need to buy a copy um, because this was just so, it's so good. It's definitely a movie I'd revisit. Although I revisit it, it's like revisiting it to watch like weekend or call me by your name. Like, do I really want to like cry? Um, <laughs> right. <but. laughs> this is, this is not one of those movies you watch uh, when you want to feel good. This is yeah. like, this is like, I'm, I want to cry and feel bad for like a couple days. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I like watched this two days ago. I'm still like thinking about yep. like yep. certain scenes. I remember it was like, one of the first ones I watched after the, uh, the nominations came out and I was just like, holy fuck. Um, so man, it's just so good. So good to lighten the mood. Paul Mescal has a great ass and we get to see it in this movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, um <laughs> so there's fun parts of this movie too. I don't want to make it sound like there is. There's drag. honestly a lot of the runtime is genuinely enjoyable. They, I mean, it's not like the father daughter have like a bad relationship for most of the movie. They have no. like a good relationship. They're, you know, he obviously cares for her. She obviously cares for him. They obviously have their difficulties because he's no longer with her mother. And like, the, you know, there's just all sorts of things going on there. But it's not like it's like some weird thing where they have like a bad contentious relationship. Um, yeah. You know, um, God, and when he's like, <laughs> when he's like, you can be anything you want to be. You have all the time in the world. Jesus Christ. Um, it's just so good. So good. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, definitely recommend people check it out. I don't even think this is the sort of thing where I would like qualify that. I think that anyone could. Yeah. Enjoy I think this anyone movie. should. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Um, <laughs> Empire of Light. Oh, God. This we're going the... from one that like made me feel things to something that made me feel like nothing at all. Um. <laughs> this is, this is, uh, you watched this this week. I watched this a yeah. little while ago. Um, yeah, I watched it yesterday. Um, so yeah. as someone who worked in a movie theater, <laughs> this was very relatable to me. There were parts of this that I really enjoyed. I really liked everything with the, th- with the theater itself. Right. Like, and so much of it takes place there, but I mean the things where it's just like about the theater. Like, this is great. I love seeing like the interactions between the employees. Like I love seeing like the abandoned parts of the theater. Like this is so great for me. Uh, yeah. That stuff is really good. I do like that it's like a a big old hulking theater that they don't even use half of anymore. <laughs> Which is like, crazy. That just like I don't I mean in 2023 like there there's no way that's sustainable, but um you know, that's okay. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> um yeah, and I, like I feel like there's something there like that that's important 
in some way thematically to the film, but I can Unfortunately, really, I don't know that the movie knows what's important yeah, to it. I can never really get a get a handle on what that is. It's like somehow the theater is in in decline in some way. That like it's lost some of its original utility, but I don't know what that's exactly supposed to represent. Right. Um in the scheme of things. Anyway, the, this is uh it's set mostly in this movie theater. Uh it's in the 80s. It's on the south coast of England. It's like a beachside town, this big old theater. And um, it is about like Olivia Coleman's character, Hillary, is kind of the main character for a lot of it. And then it sort of shifts to Stephen, played by Michael Ward. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like it, it, it's about her working at this movie theater and she's got this terrible boss called by uh, play uh, this terrible boss played by Colin Firth who's like cheating on his wife with her but also like taking advantage of her and say she doesn't really want it they're just yeah. like you know this isn't like, like a, her boss this isn't really like a fun thing for her yeah so he's basically just sexually harassing her um and uh she has uh, some sort of mental condition. I think she's bipolar. The movie uh, says she's schizophrenic, yeah, but I she, agree with you. It, it seemed like bipolar to me. Yeah. Uh, well, because I think her Colin Firth said she's schizophrenic, but I think yeah. he says that to try to discredit her. Right. Um, but yeah, so she's struggling with that. Um, she's living like a semi-destructive, chaotic kind of life. Um, well, so. it's like at first she's living a perfect, like she's obviously sad, but she's not destructive, but then she does go off meds and like, that's when things really start, uh, unraveling for her. Yeah. Um, Cause she's like, she stops taking them. Um, she tells her doctor that they're not, just not affecting her because when she was on them, she obviously wasn't well, she wasn't as destructive, but she wasn't well. Right. Um, but then she goes off of them and she's like, seems happy for a bit. And then suddenly she's like fully spiraling um and it's it's interesting i thought the movie you know i i appreciate a movie that it like it wasn't like judging her or anything like that i appreciate Mm -hmm. that um i think the movie maybe could have done a better job of exploring or explaining some of what was going on with her um just because like the med situation was kind of confusing and i wish we could have had more explore exploration of how on meds wasn't good but off meds also wasn't good like it's like well how does she win like what's like what exactly yeah, is the solution well, here <laughs> um i think um, part of it is like there there's no like real clear answer there's no there's like, not i wish the movie had expressed more mind. of that that there's no clear answer uh, so, uh, something i can completely understand and speak to um you know um uh, but, you know, you know, just like a little bit more of like what's what exactly is going on there, because um, it she, Olivia Coleman gives a great performance um, and she oh, yeah. she really she's sells it. Um, um, so I really appreciated that. And she's probably like the, the, the one of the saving graces of this movie, because I would say most of the rest of the characters don't really get fleshed out like at all. Like um, Michael Ward is interesting, but the movie no, I mean, say, I, sorry, Sam Mendes, but I don't know if you know what to do with like a black man in the eighties, and, and <laughs> like I don't know if you know what what that felt like and how that 
was because right. we didn't seem to explore it particularly deeply here. I feel like um, we like started getting some character development of him at the end, but it was like it's too late. Like we we don't really know that much about him exactly. And I, and I think that really can just be chalked up to like Sam and Des wanted to talk about this, but doesn't exactly know. And like that's, I mean, of course he doesn't, but maybe you shouldn't have like gone there the way that you did. Right. Um, There's definitely you, a lot of like hints of like the racism of 80s england oh not even hints i mean that's an overt theme but it's like that's the thing is it's like the most sort of overt and obvious expressions of of what was going on at the time and no like real exploration of the character in the same way and i would have liked to have seen more of that um like what what is his reaction to this scenario and like what's he going through how does he react to it right um we get we don't get as much of that as we yeah. do just directly seeing like people calling him names on the street and then like right. physically assaulting him during that scene at the theater. Right. Um, yeah. Which is Not an upsetting as... thing, an upsetting scene. Yeah. Um, oh, that's brutal. Yeah. Um, um, I did appreciate um, like the general, like the, the, the background cast almost like the staff at the theater. There were some good, like fun performances from them. I liked that they yeah. were like good people. Um, <laughs> I was there like, yeah, people, people who work at theaters are good, right? Um, <laughs> that was other than main, Colin Firth. Other than that Colin was Firth. the main message of it here is that like it can be fun and interesting to work at a movie theater. They they like they they were like an interesting selection of people. Like they were all like a little odd in their own way, but well, like that's generally true of nice. people who work at a movie theater. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was, that was what felt like the most real of it. So I was like, yeah, yeah, this is like, I could see this selection of people working at a movie theater and like chit chatting about each other and stuff like that. That tracks. Right. Especially, uh, the, the weird Toby Jones projectionist. Oh, character. Toby Jones. Yeah. He <laughs> I was, was like, Oh God. Yes. Yeah. That, that was correct. That <laughs> was super. It's accurate. me. It's me. <laughs> it's me for real. Um, yeah. I thought you would appreciate his character. Um, he was that, that was good stuff. That was good. I love that. We, you know, we get some solid scenes actually in the projection booth in this movie, including like showing how the actual art arc light projectors work, which is top notch stuff. That's very like, the magic of movies here. Sam uh, Mendes would be somebody who thinks about that. Um, yeah, I really liked that stuff as well. That was probably my favorite element of the movie. Um, I thought like the central romance wasn't entirely, it was like half baked. It was honestly maybe like quarter baked um, mm-hmm. um, and didn't totally, totally work. Um, so like the movie theater stuff was like what basically my favorite part other than just Olivia Coleman being Olivia Coleman obviously she's great um but like the the theater stuff was just so cool um the cinematography was really top notch it was Uh, yes i think that's the only thing it's nominated for i think so yeah um i think that's about all it really deserves so it's it's roger deakins yeah you know he's undeniable at this point um it's just like the colors are, are really what stood out to me on this one it's just so sumptuous in the way that like even Every frame just has a lot going on color-wise. It's so specifically chosen, and the the colors look so deep and vibrant. That was the do. like the main thing that appealed to me about the visual look of this film. Agreed. But yeah, I, I just feel like the, there was a lot to like in this movie that didn't really come together as a cohesive unit. I just like, felt like uh, the main 
weakness i would say is like the script and the script the direction is absolutely the main weakness <laughs> uh, the screenplay is not great um and it i don't know it was it was weird because like i felt like i was watching this movie and it was yesterday it was a snowy very cold morning here in new york and like i was watching it and i was like i just like feel nothing like i don't feel anything watching this movie but the movie wants me to feel something and so much oh, of definitely. that is chalked up to to I think the writing and the screenplay. Um, I think it just didn't totally work. It didn't. I don't know. Um, so that's too bad because you know it does look yeah. very very nice. Um, There's a good film in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's an interesting setting, and there's good characters. Like if they fiddled around with it a bit more, they could have maybe made a better movie out of this. I don't know. But I think you're probably right. But there's a there's a lot there's it's worth watching if you're going this deep into the Oscars list. It worked as like a a, if you want like a dull snowy morning watch, it kind of worked. I just think maybe like writing isn't Salmon does a strong suit. Like maybe he doesn't need to be a writer on his movies. You know, like he's written on this in 1917. Um he like maybe doesn't need to write like that's okay you could just direct like like that's a pretty admirable <laughs> managed to get away with very little writing in that exactly film. exactly <laughs> so like maybe you don't need to be doing dialogue and screenplay writing this way like maybe that's not your strong suit and that's totally fine um so um that's one of my takeaways here is he should maybe find writers who work for him and and do do the directing um because he's very good at directing often yeah okay um and that i believe is the last um the last one that we've both seen in the past hopefully soon hopefully soon we'll be able to talk about rrr because i watched that this week and oh my god i'm looking forward (laughs) to it but i I, i'm thinking there are a couple of screenings actually in Telugu coming up, and I, I, I think I might go to one. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you have the option to do that, I would definitely recommend it because I watched it on Netflix uh, with the Hindi version, uh, which, you know, still pretty good, but I could tell that, like, I would appreciate seeing it in the original language. Unfortunately, yeah, that's what I want to see. Netflix did not get the rights to the Telugu version for whatever reason. It's not, it's movie. It's like move, some company called movie or something. Yeah. Who has it? I think so. But um, yeah, I definitely recommend checking out whatever. For, I mean, I, I just want to see it on the big screen at some point. Yeah, me too. It's, it's definitely the kind of movie that's like, oh yeah, I could see these images would be even better, like 10 feet tall. Yeah, I just wish that it would, like, they would have show times that were, like, on the big screen and not, like, at, like, fucking 9 p.m., like, as a start time. I was like, I can't do that. <laughs> like, that is a ridiculous time. Um, but we'll see. I'll find a way. Yeah. Um, other stuff. Matt, you should go see Cocaine Bear so we can talk about that next week. <laughs> I'm hoping to see Cocaine Bear this week. Um so we will do i have to see like multiple because okay so like i lost like one week of movie going to having a friend visit and i feel like i'm behind on like fucking everything it like makes me feel crazy how much (laughs) like not going to a movie for one week will do to me it will Um, between the oscar stuff that we're trying to catch up with and stuff that's constantly coming out there is a lot yeah and we're right now we're outside of the um the january like bleak time 
So it's like things are like actually, you know, good things are actually coming out again. Yeah. Um, Big stuff is coming out. I mean, I I also had to slip in a watch of Ant-Man and the Wasp this week because I'm planning on seeing Quantumania at some point. But I don't know when I'm going to do that because I have to watch six Oscars movies a week for the next two weeks. Um, So (laughs) we'll see. You can do it? Question mark. I can can do it. I also had to take a night off for uh, Fat Tuesday so I could watch Princess and the Frog and Hatchet. I watched Princess and the Frog. um, uh, That's a fun uh, Mardi Gras double feature. Yeah. Hatchet is very fun. Um, See, I I went out for Mardi Gras. Um, We went out drinking to Creole bars in New York City. (laughs) On Mardi Gras? Imagine. I think I spent the most money I spent in one night in a long time. Um, Ooh boy. We drank so much on Mardi Gras. I'd be like, I have to get one of every New Orleans themed cocktail and also food. <laughs> like, um, and like so many king cake shooters. I was just having a time. Um, so yeah, um, that was my Mardi Gras, but I did watch princess and the frog. Unfortunately, the friend who was here is not a horror fan. No, so horror. no, no hatchet. Um, <laughs> but I did do my hatchet marathon not that long ago, so I can't complain. I still don't think... I think I've seen Hatchet 2, but I have not watched any of the other ones. Some of the later ones are... They're, like, they, they're pretty fun. Like I've heard that it's actually a really good franchise, so I, yeah. I want to check out more of them. Someday. It's really enjoyable. I think the first one is like one of the rougher around the edges, because um, it's like clearly like the low budget. They didn't know what they were doing in the same way. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's very much like they they just shot like a lot of it on like the same section of swamp set right it's also like the most of its time in terms of like not being the most politically correct in terms of how it depicts hatchet and talks about him and oh yeah oh yeah it is is a very 2006 movie yeah um um, which is, is part of the charm in some ways, but it, it is like not for everyone. If you don't like to, to hear some of the comments that they're going to make. Um, but it is re- I really like all of the hatchet movies, at least like on a, just like pure entertainment level. Um, so, um, yeah, but that's a fun Mardi Gras watch. Um, other things that happened over the, the course of the last week and a half or so, um, TCM underground had its final, uh, screening ever that is so sad they're shutting down this is uh like they've been doing this since i think 2006 which is like just the right time for young teddy who was getting into movies around (laughs) then uh this was very much a seminal series for me they showed like more gritty underground type movies late at night on tcm right uh, like 70s exploitation films and like old sci-fi and stuff like that Um, right and for a while, they were introduced by Rob Zombie, which was like really, yeah, <laughs> right in my wheelhouse. Um, this stuff was really cool for me. Definitely a part of what shaped my taste in film early on. So sad to see it go, but I was glad I, I stayed up for the last one. <laughs> Watching a movie at two a.m. like broadcast on TV is not exactly what I usually do anymore. No, but, uh, no. I had to stay up for this one. Watch their final broadcast of Plan Nine from Outer Space. Ugh um it's a classic one absolutely and then and then i watched some of the like weird like 70s drug scare shorts they were showing after oh yes, those, yes. Are, those are pretty fun too but yeah sad to see that go i hope they 
do something with that kind of programming in the future because that was really that was just an interesting thing to bring to TCM, which is usually right. like seen as kind of a stodgy network that just shows old movies for old people, which like shouldn't be true because I think that there's a lot to get out of old movies for anyone. But right. I like the underground program really emphasized the fact that like, hey, <laughs> there's a lot of crazy stuff from the old black and white era too. Like, right. It's not just old movie musicals and stuff. Right. Yeah, it is sad to see that end. A, uh, a tragic loss. Um. All right. Well, I think we have one more thing we can talk about. All we right. Close out. Let's and do it. That is Knock at the Cabin. We have both. Who's there? Yeah. Who's there? <laughs> um, yeah, we've both seen this now. Yes. This is the new M. Night Shyamalan joint. Yes, this is the new M. Night Shyamalan movie based on the book by Paul Tremblay. The book is called The Cabin at the End of the World. Um, mm-hmm. I feel the need to specify that every time because they changed the name of the book. They changed the name and hit Paul Tremblay isn't featured on any of the posters. Um, very annoying to me personally. Um, as somebody who read the book first long before the movie was even like a thing that was going to happen. Um, yeah, this was kind of a contentious thing actually. Cause I think it was, yeah. like there were a number of Paul Tremblay fans online, like spamming every knock of the cabin post with like, this is based off a book by Paul Tremblay. It right? also at the risk of being like a nitpicky person, it completely changes the ending. I mean, it is just a complete change. Um, I cannot stress enough how different it is. Um, yeah. Um, so I, I think Paul Tremblay fans were felt very upset about all of it. <laughs> oh. um, so, um, but yeah, um, this is the new M. Night Shyamalan movie. Um, it's more, it's so like old was, it was an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Um, obviously this is more in the vein of like signs or devil. Um, it's like that, that M. Night Shyamalan. Um, you're, that's yeah, what you're getting yeah. here. You're I getting definitely s- thought it felt a lot like devil. Yeah, um, that, that's yeah. who you're getting here. It's not quite as like, I mean, Devil is kind of beating you over the head. Um, this one is to an extent too, but I remember thinking Devil was like, like they could show this at youth group. And, um, you know, I didn't really <laughs> it's think very this... like, like God is real and like all the, all the old Testament stuff could happen. Yeah. It was very like, they could feature this in God's not dead. Like they could just like, like, come on. Um, but this is not quite like that at least but it is more like in the vein of his like explicitly christian worldview movies um which is a theme in most of his movies anyway but like some of them don't show it as much like i'd say like things like split you know old they're not as much about that this one is more in the vein of the ones that are explicit um which is interesting um because i would say that the book is not like that um, I would say the book does not have those beliefs in mind. So it's interesting that M. Night Shyamalan read this book, presumably, because it does follow it very, very closely up until the last like 40 minutes. Um, and thought, you know what? I can use this to, <laughs> to get my Christian themes across. I was like, <laughs> wow, I think the book is like explicitly like non-Christian. Like, I think that's like part of the point of the book. Um, so it, it is funny that he, he saw that, um, um, so that's fun. Um, overall, though, I did like the movie. I want to be clear. I'm not, like, bashing it necessarily. I was just, like, kind of... I'd heard that it was different ending, but I was I was so sure that the big thing about the ending couldn't be changed that I was genuinely shocked that it was changed. 
Um, so I was like, whoa, okay. Um, so I just felt uh, surprised. But overall, I did like the movie. I thought it was fun. Um, fun might be the wrong word. But I thought it was, inter- <laughs> I thought it was entertaining. Um, I thought it was pretty tense. Um, I thought Dave Bautista was good. Um, I thought Jonathan Groff was pretty good. He was Jonathan Groff. Um, yeah. Jonathan um, Groff is always good in my book. Exactly. Um, you know, um, and I, I, I also really liked, um, Ben Aldridge. Um, he mm-hmm. was, he was really good. He was also very good in spoiler alert. So it was good to see him in another movie. So, uh, shortly thereafter, um, he obviously has an intensity to him. Um, Rupert Grant had like possibly the worst accent of all time. Good for him. Um, good for him for still landing a role um, with that accent. Cause that was just not good. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I was like, I don't even know what you're going for here, man. Like sometimes it sounds like you're doing Southern, but I can hear your like actual accent coming through. Like, what are we doing? Um, but it was, it was very funny. Um, but um I did like the movie. I thought it was really well shot. I thought it was tense. Um, you know, I thought it was good. Yeah. So the basic premise of this is like that um, this couple played by Jonathan Groff and Ben Aldridge are on like a vacation with their adopted child. And um, they're at this cabin in the middle of nowhere. And then suddenly they get visited by this group of four like strange weirdos who are telling them that the, the end of the world is coming and that in order to stop it, they have to make a sacrifice and choose one of the three of them to kill, uh, right. to stop the apocalypse. And so things play out. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, predictably, <laughs> but in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. I I, um, I actually think that's a good point to, to like, linger on for a bit because M. Night Shyamalan is known for like his twists um and I think actually like this one has like not a really big like twist like the twist is that there's no twist because like I guess the twist okay so as somebody who's read the book the twist was the big difference from the book like I was like whoa okay um but like the other the other twist is that like I do feel like maybe like this whole time I go through like thinking these four people are like maybe lunatics um and i'm like they're like they're wrong they're wrong about everything that's happening and you definitely get presented like along the way some evidence that that might be true right um and so i think like the big twist is you know maybe that that they're not wrong you know um i think that's the twist is it like you expect a twist but the movie doesn't ever tell you there's going to you know like the the movie isn't telling you anything or, or anything else, you know, it's not telling you one way or the other. And then you expect there to be a twist saying like, Oh, they're, you know, crazy or they're wrong or whatever. And then it's just like, actually it's all just playing out. Like, um, and it's like, wow, that's actually like different for Shyamalan. Um, and also different. I think it does subvert expectations of the way the movie is structured. Um, um, and just like most home invasion movies. Um, um, so I, I do think there is some, uh, level of like playing with your expectations of a twist from a Shyamalan movie going on, which, you know, uh, it's interesting. Um, It's got a lot of his, like, just like all of his like staple themes are coming up here. He cares about family. He cares about like tragedy. And if it's going to like destroy your faith or, or build it back up, like these are all things that's like your, your classic Shyamalan themes um, are all at play here, but they come together quite well in this movie. um, I thought, I also thought, 
you know, Shyamalan has a long history of doing like very Christian movies. Um, it was nice to see one that was about a gay couple and he clearly doesn't, you know, I was like, good to know he's not like a bigoted Christian. Like that's oh, yeah. like a nice reaffirm. That's a nice affirmation for me because you just can never be too sure. Um, so I was like, thank you. Um, you're so overtly Christian. You, I mean, I've seen devil like, so I, <laughs> I was like, you never know. So it's nice to know that he's uh, not a bigot. Um, right. And I think there's like, to some extent, an exploration of like that conflict. Absolutely. It's yeah. like, how can you like believe that like the gay people should be able to live their lives and that their love is real, as real as anyone else's, but also like believe in like a Christianity that would like fight against that and condemn that. And uh, that like, you'd be supporting people who have nothing but hatred for them. Right. So that like, that's definitely something that's explored, especially towards the end of the movie. Yes. I I think you're right. And I think the movie, so there's been some criticism of the movie for, because he's like, obviously not a queer director and um, how he's depicting these, this queer couple. I generally liked it. Do I wish that like they'd at least been able to like kiss once? Yeah, that would have been like ideal. I don't think most straight couples in horror movies kiss never. Um, yeah. I, you know, I do feel like it's the case that, but I will say that for this movie, you're kind of thrown into it within the first 10 minutes. Like there's not a lot of like downtime before suddenly they're like stuck in a life or death situation. Like, right. I mean, it happens very abruptly. I don't, I, you know. Um, so it, that didn't bother me too much as some as it did for some people. Um, I actually thought it was really interesting the way the movie explored um, the themes. Um, you know, you do see these characters, they've had a rough go of things. You know, you see that one of them has been the victim of an extreme hate crime. Um, and like that kind of sucks, obviously. Um, they have yeah. parents who suck. Um, you know, you see this stuff and you get to see one like struggling with like, you know, the whole world hates us basically is what he's saying. Like, we're always different. Why, why, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like, why should we do anything to help the world? If the world has always kicked us when we're down. Exactly. And I think that was actually for a director like Shyamalan. I thought that was a pretty, like, I mean, I thought that was like a wise way to depict it. I, I wouldn't have expected your average, like straight male director to like, to like get that, like how hard it can be to just feel like you're even no matter how respectful you or respectable you seem on the outside, like you're always hated by some people. Like Mm -hmm. this is the most ostensibly respectable couple of all time. It's like a fucking lawyer. And like, (laughs) they obviously have money. Like um, they're well-groomed. Like, you know, there's nothing unusual. Like, I don't want to say that being queer is unusual, obviously as a queer person, but you know what I mean? Like they like clearly should fit in on any, like, you know, they could be on modern family, you know, like that totally, mm-hmm. you know, appease to the appease the masses, but they're still hated. Um, and I, I thought Shyamalan like sort of like touched on that quite well, actually um, about that tension where it's like, no matter what you do, like they feel hated um, because they are. And so I, I actually thought that was pretty astute uh, of him. Um, and, and um, that character, what was it? Uh, Ben, Ben Aldrich, Um, Ben Aldrich. Yeah. He, um, I thought he conveyed that so well. Um, His just like rage and, and the tragedy of like, you know, his, what he's dealt with and like the life that he's had to live, you know? Um, I thought it was really well done actually. Yeah. And I also, I also thought that like that, that fit in so well with like when, when these uh, like plagues of sorts start happening, that should be a sign of the apocalypse. Um, they almost seem commonplace in a way to to Ben Aldrich's character because he's like, you know, I'm a human rights lawyer. I see suffering 
and death every day. This isn't something new to me. This isn't like some sign of the apocalypse. This is just the way the world works. Like right. there's cruelty, there's death. This is this is just things as they normally are. Right. And that's like that's so bleak, but it's, you know, to from his perspective it's true and it's it's what he's seen. Um and also I think that it's also true that in. the first two like plagues that hit are like questionable in their reality for a long time. Like if they're actually like a consequence yeah. of what's going on. Um, and, and that's right. pretty obvious. So, but I, I also think it ties in so well to like the current moment and like what, what things are like these days. It's like how, how much of like, how would you even know when signs of the apocalypse are happening? If you've seen so many horrible things happen already, if you've seen everything that's already <laughs> it's occurred. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. This is just normal. Like, right. Um, another planes falling on the sky. I mean, I guess that could happen. Why not? <laughs> so that, that is the one that where it really becomes, um, when the planes start falling out of the sky, obviously that's the one where I think it's like, you start to actually question, yeah, you know, you're like, huh? Um, okay. <laughs> right. Um, and, and that was, see, even up through that in the book, that was true there too. Um, <laughs> um, it was like that, that was the point where it's like, wait, what's going on here? What's actually the case? Um, the other two, and it's so interesting. This book came out and like, 20 like 18 or 19 before covid but one of the big plagues is like an actual like mass virus um and i'm like oh god yeah. like it's so like <laughs> um, it feels so relatable now it it's feels like, so oh, timely and interestingly paul tremblay has since had a a plague book he's had a zombie virus book um that actually right. was written before covid but when you read it it's like genuinely insane um it's like <laughs> holy shit like this it's exactly how it all played out um um yes. um so uh, everyone reads Survivor Song by Paul Tremblay. Um, <laughs> it's his his attempt at the zombie thing. Um, so, um, but yeah, it's it's just such an interesting, I don't know, the whole concept of the movie is interesting. And like, it's so clear why this attracted M. Night Shyamalan in some ways. Like the idea of like having to like make this like unbearable choice uh, between like your family and the entire world. Like that's just so... That's of course something he was going to be drawn to. Yeah. Um, it, it honestly like like drew, drew me back to a movie that a lot of people really hate of his, uh, Lady in the Water. It's like a movie I haven't seen in so long. I cannot comment. Um, yeah, um, but, I saw that in theaters, and that was the last time I saw it. <laughs> I saw that in theaters too. Yeah, um, I think I've first seen like that I saw in theaters. Almost all of his movies in theaters since like I was old enough to do so. Um, I think so. I've always been such a fan of M. Night Shyamalan. He's he's interesting, if nothing else. He can put out a shitty movie, and it's still at least, like, worth seeing what he was thinking. Um, yeah. Um, he's got, like, interesting ideas and a, yes. a unique style that always, like, you you know when you're watching Shyamalan. And that, on its own, is impressive. Right. Um, you absolutely do. Like, there was no... I, if you had not told me who directed this movie... I would have told you it was M. Night Shyamalan. Like, if I had watched it and they'd covered up the directed by, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely would have been able to tell you this was M. Night Shyamalan. No no questions asked. Um, and it, it's just so clearly him. Um, on other, I mean, even aside from the fact that he has a cameo as like a, a salesperson on a fucking home shopping network channel. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was great. He that always... was funny. He always gives himself the weirdest cameos. He he has um, to. He has to. Um, so it's an interesting movie. I think it. I think it's pretty good. I think. Um, I think it's one of his better ones in a while. Um, and I, I really enjoyed it. 
um yeah. even though even while i had some like i'm trying to separate my my appreciation of the book from the actual movie right they yeah. just have two different motivations um so but um it is interesting it's also interesting to think about the way he adapted it to fit his motivations i do think that's like worth exploring i'm interested in adaptations that change things um um, that was something right. I, I yeah. did a lot of in like college too. I was very interested in like the intentionality of adaptations and, and where they make their differences. Um, and I, I think it, I think this one is, is it's very intentional because it's, it's so closely hues to the book until the ending, um, like the last 40 or so minutes, maybe the last even 30 minutes. Um, um, it's just so interesting the way that uh, he changes that. Of course he would. It's, it's, he changed it to fit his themes, but it is still interesting to me. Right. Everyone yeah. should read the book though. Um, I don't want to go without saying that the book is yeah, extremely I'm, good. I'm definitely interested in checking out the book now. Um, Cause I've heard a lot of good things about it in the wake of the movie coming out. So it's a yeah. really quick propulsive read. It's like very, very quick. Um, I think I read it like right at the start of COVID. Like, I think it was like the first week when I was at home, I was reading this book. <laughs> that's a, that's a fun social distancing read there. Well, I remember that like I had the book already. And so I was like sitting at home and like, I didn't know what else to do in these first few weeks. So I was just like, why not tear through some books that I have that I haven't picked up? So I picked that one up um, yeah. and I read it in like two days. Um, it was, it's very, very propulsive. Um, it's probably the one even before this that he's been most known for. Um, so, Yeah. Now it's of course the one he's most known for, but oh yeah, it is very very well, good. Nice, yeah. I recommend people check this one out. It should still be in theaters most places. Uh, it's a good one. Yeah. All right. Well, we've made it through another week of the Oscars. We're we gonna be uh, plowing away. We've again. only got like two more weeks. Yeah, Ugh. it's two weeks exactly till the ceremony. And, uh, yeah, it's crunch time. So <laughs> the wheels haven't fallen off yet, so to speak. We're just pushing ahead, hoping that we're going to make it through. Um, hopefully next week we'll have more Oscars movies to talk about and maybe Cocaine Bear. We'll see. Um, cocaine. Um, <laughs> so, who sings that? Who sings Cocaine? What? I don't know. You know the song I Cocaine? I don't think so. What? Oh, come on. Which one? It's uh, Eric Clapton. Okay, no, I don't know that. You don't know the Clapton song Cocaine? Oh, my I God. I don't think so. Okay. Go listen, listen to it after this. I'll go listen to it after And then this. it's got to be in our show uh, the ne- we'll, when we discuss Cocaine. We'll put it in the, yeah, we'll, we'll put it in the intro for the I'm hoping to see Bear. Cocaine Bear this week. So if we, if we record after Wednesday, I'll have seen it, I think. All right. Okay. Good plan. So until next time, find us on your favorite platform and subscribe. Give us a review if you like what we're doing. And you can contact us at buzzedonmovies at gmail.com or on social media. We're on Twitter at buzzedonmovies. And until next time, we'll see you at the movies. We will see you at the movies or at the cabin at the end of the world. Oh, no. Hope not there. (laughs) Don't kill me.